Hello everyone, and welcome to our 11th episode. In this episode, Tim and I just have a, a rather wide-ranging conversation about momentum and just different things that we've been doing. Both of us have been busy with either personal and or work travel, and we haven't had an opportunity to record a podcast in a while. So we thought just to keep that momentum going, we'd sit down and, and just have a chat. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the show. Maybe we could just use this whole episode for shameless plugs on all the other shit we're doing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This, this episode is brought to you Complete by, by <laughs> Tony and Tim's shameless plugs of all the other stuff we've been doing. Now, it's been a while since we sat down and talked, so um, being thoroughly unorganized and letting all things grow organically, we we didn't schedule a guest or anything. We just figured um, we'd get we'd keep the momentum going, which is important with projects like this. I find that if it falls off... The longer it falls off, the easier it is not to get back on the wagon, right? right. So we we just kind of decided, like, hey, let's just get together and chat and record it. And all you out there listening, all, I don't know, however many of there you might be, might be boring as shit, I don't know, or whatever. We just fast forward through it. And all we're good seven with it. of you. Yeah, all seven of you. We're good with it. I'm, I'm down with it. It's all right. Momentum, so it's new. Well, momentum is actually an idea that, uh, in the last year with some of the different things in the retreats and even the work, because for a while we were doing these pretty regularly and mm-hmm. just keeping that momentum. But momentum is just an idea that keeps coming up, just that the energy of momentum and, and keeping things flowing and just staying in that flow has been uh, just an idea that comes up. And uh, what we were talking about just before we started about not knowing what day of the week it is and being like, <laughs> oh, you know, you walk downstairs and you see Maggie, you're like, oh, it must be Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, oh, that's <sighs> I've been looking for and having conversations with people in my life of now that my schedule has changed from going, you know, full time running a tree company and uh, kind of more than nine to five and uh you know, five days a week to, you know, I'm still doing tree work, but it's not like this schedule. I have to be there every day and my schedule is a lot more mine. So looking at how do I keep momentum in my life and other things without having that structure? Cause for so long I relied on structure in my life. Right. And, uh, I've been programmed to feel more accomplished when I wake up at six o'clock and then I have a job that'd be at at seven and then I'm doing this. And so now I've been looking at my life where I don't have that regular schedule anymore. Right. So since August 1st last year, I don't have to, you know, five days a week be out on this job and I'm still, again, I'm working and doing things, but, uh, there's a little sense of like not feeling lost, but like, okay, where is that momentum in my life? Mm -hmm. You know? And when I was, going out and working and running was that just a false sense of momentum or is that the kind of momentum that i still desire in my life and what's that look like now like what am i doing with my time to you know create momentum in the direction that i want to be going yeah it's interesting there's a lot of points there i I found that same thing too um and it's the same feelings reoccurred to me over the last probably 12 years because it's been roughly 12 years since i stopped working a full-time job and essentially became a subcontractor um you know when i first did it there was like two three weeks there it's like i felt if i wasn't filling my days with 
money earning activities, I was somehow failing. Mm-hmm. And I just had to realize that, you know, my, my time was working on a different scale, you know, like I was working less hours, but I was getting paid more per hour if you did it out because I was getting paid less for working with my hands and more for what I know how to do with them, right? My knowledge. And then it happens again and again. And even as recently as in like the last two years, I would say I have, the pandemic started it, but I mean, I've continued it on from that. I have significantly cut back on the amount of travel and training that I've done. Some of it's been forced upon me. Um, there just hasn't been that many opportunities to train. Some of it's been employment decisions I've made, organizations I've left and things like that. But a lot of it's been sort of self-induced. Um, you know, I've literally, I think that, you know, my, my father was a great man and a wonderful arborist and a, an excellent worker. You know, his work ethic was became my work ethic, as it is with many people. And his work ethic was, you know, if, if you're somehow not working 60 hours a week, you lose value. And um it's just, I'd find it wasn't working for me. I'm like, you know, I did so many years, and you know, Tim, being a tree guy, so many years of working, you know, 40 or more hour weeks hard and coming home and falling asleep and mashed potatoes. And like, you know, I, I wouldn't see Susie and Maggie for, I would see them, but I wasn't spending time with them, you know, because I, I was leaving before they were awake. I would come home tired, would probably take a nap before dinner, would probably, you know, chat with them over dinner, maybe a couple hours afterwards at the most and then go to bed and repeat and then on the weekends you know Saturday I'm sleeping because I'm tired and it was just it was a thing it was a different type of momentum kind of going down but I think what you've also outlined is a lot of it is the the ultimate you know struggle why a lot of people can't be self-employed or be on their own because they just they don't know how to generate that momentum on their own you know, and it and it gets lost. And you're right, you can. It's easy to fall in those traps. What I'm finding now is it's a delicate balance between wanting momentum or just keeping something going because you think it should be kept going, you know. Yeah. And that's a big lesson in acceptance and trust and even self-love to an extent. Like, you know, we haven't we haven't done a recording for probably a month uh, for the podcast, roughly speaking, Um mm-hmm which is it is what it is and it like i said it you know the longer you're off the wagon or off the train you know the harder it is to get the easier it is to just not say well i'll just let the next train pass and keep going but i find that to trust myself that's like this is something i really really want to do that's when i you know texted you last week like tim we just need to get back on the train and go and he's like yeah absolutely but i think that if they're i've learned to trust that inner voice you know, if it was something I didn't really want to do, maybe the text would have been, Tim, you know, we kind of dropped it off for a while. I just don't have the, is the momentum worth it? And those are, those are difficult inner conversations to have with yourself, I think. Well, on the, on the work thing, what we were talking about before, when there is some sense of, and I don't know if this is just part of the human condition or maybe part of uh, the testosterone that we have, but there's such a sense, there is a sense of satisfaction that comes along with working hard. Mm-hmm. And I know that that actually comes from like, that's one of the things that testosterone does in your body is the, the higher testosterone levels that you have in your body, the better physical effort feels. So that's what testosterone does. It makes physical effort feel good. And like, mm-hmm. so when I'm out working and especially tree work, it's such a physical job that, when I'm out doing it, I do a 40 hour week, 50, 60 hours, whatever. 
at the end of the week, there is that, or at the end of the day, there is that like falling asleep in your mashed potatoes, but there's like, that's kind of sense of accomplishment or like I did something, you know, same thing mm-hmm. happened when there's a, I don't get it so much anymore, but when I first, you know, was getting into big removals and I'm cutting down a giant tree and it's in the beginning of the day, you're looking up at this thing and you're like, Oh my God, how there's so much to do. Mm-hmm. And then you get up there and you're like, nope, I just got to do this one branch, this one leader. I'm going to do this one thing. I'm going to remove this one part, one piece at a time. And then at the end of the day, when you stand on that stump and there's nothing left but sawdust and the whole tree is gone and it's that sense of accomplishment that comes along with that. So there is some of that that comes from uh, just working quite a bit and – well, not quite a bit, but just working – like in having a regular schedule and it's almost like I think I became addicted to getting, I don't know if addicted is the right word, but became reliant on getting my sense of accomplishment from work and from having that regular schedule. So now finding it in other ways uh, without having it like nine to five, you know, the other idea too that I've been, rolling around in my head is you hear a lot in the world and in everybody, you know, Oh, I make, uh, $150,000 a year. I make $50,000 a year. I make $500,000 a year. And we put this emphasis on my worth and my value and get very focused on how much money I'm going to make this year. Right. And I've been kind of shifting away from, looking at how much money I'm making in a year because now my schedule is a lot different. And like we were talking about before, what's a Saturday? What's a Tuesday? What's a day of the week actually mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that I can get sucked back in and I put my value and worth and I start to compare it to other people. I think when I say like, this is how much I make in a year, it's, it's a way for me to measure myself against other people and other people's value and worth and then you know oh well that guy makes you know fifty thousand more than me a year you know uh and now i'm i've been shifting my mindset and towards just like how much do i need to make right now like what how much do i want to make and then how much do i want to make and how much free time do i want and how many other things in my life do i want to be doing that i enjoy and what amount of energy because going to work is just an energy exchange i'm just exchanging my time and energy for this paper energy that i'm going to use to energetically buy things and get other things that i want so figuring out the balance of those two energies and when i just look at it of like what do i what are my basic needs now and how much do i need to save or have or you know, for to cover my expenses and live the life that I actually want to live. You know, when I start putting yeah, in the parameters of a year, it seems like it forces me to go do things that I don't actually want to be doing that I don't need to do. And it's more like fear driven. You know, mm-hmm. I got to make this much money in order to have this much value or feel this way about myself. You know, right. and uh, it makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, that that whole not it it's not necessarily to sit around and compare myself financially i but i do tend to compare the amount that i'm earning as a success or failure standard right so somehow somehow making 
you know, $65,000 is better than making $55,000. And in some respects, I guess it could be said that way, but it's, but only, it's only totally true if that's, you know, the, the only way, like I don't gauge my success in life on, on how much money's in the bank, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I mean, certainly you have to have something in there and it is part of it, but I still stress out over that a lot. You know, it just, it is something that, you know, gets me. It's like, Oh shit, you know, here we go. You look at the calendar and it's like, Oh my, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I got three things to do in March and you know, April looks pretty <laughs> wide open, you know, and things tend to, they tend to always kind of work out. And I also realized too, that, you know, being this far into my career, I'm in a, you know, my wife and I, family-wise, we're in a place financially where certainly we have concerns, but we've also been able to, like, our overhead is relatively low, uh, you know, and my wife allows, you know, carries a lot of benefits and things, so I can basically live my nearly dirtbag lifestyle, um, you know, with, with what I do and get on with it, so, and it, and I've also come to, it's like, you know, I agree with you that, that doing something hard physically, that sense of accomplishment is awesome, you know, but I've come to appreciate it in cycles. You know, there's times where I'll spend a lot of time doing some creative work where it's not as physically demanding, probably more mentally demanding, and that can wear you out. But then there's times where it's like, I just got to put, turn the brain off and just go do something, you know, physically demanding and hard to get. And I get satisfaction from that. And, you know, and that's of all the tree work things, you know, that that feeling at the end of a day dealing with a complicated job or just, you know, a lot of variables and going on and handling it well and getting it done safely um, and efficiently was was very satisfying. You know, and I do I do miss that 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 aspect of it to some extent. What I don't miss is when you look out the window and it's like 32 degrees raining sideways um, with a 50 mile an hour wind being like, you're, yeah, strapping, can... you're strapping your boots on. Yeah, exactly. Now, today I'm like still in my fuzzy slippers. Like, I think I'm going to edit some audio book or something today. <laughs> it's way easier. I'm going to record uh, a podcast with my friend today. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think, too, that, you know, from a pure financial standpoint, I've been trying to get away from the the problem with my business model, if you actually want to call it that, which is a bit of a misnomer because I never sat down and planned shit, um, is, you know, that if as a subcontractor, if I don't go out and physically do something, I don't get that energy exchange. If I don't complete a physical activity, if I don't go train somebody, if I don't go talk at a conference, if I don't cut it, run a chainsaw, that energy. And I've been trying to shift it to things, more creative projects that are what I guess the big term now is that passive income, right? So build a project that I can launch out into the world and then get small returns on that coming back through. And it's just, that's where I think that I wanted to focus that energy. And I'm starting to, when those things start to build and succeed, like the podcast, you know, getting on, looking at the analytics on Transistor, who is our, you know, our hosting site and said, oh, you know, last month we had eight subscribers and now we have 12. Like, yeah, you know, it's like the the joy in small things and, and not to have, um, you know, not to let expectations steal the fun of that because the, 10 years ago, eight years ago, hell, probably even five years ago, I would have looked at that and I would have, my expectations would have taken, taken the fun out of that statement going from eight to 12 subscribers, right? Would have just, I would, oh shit, we only have, we only got four subscribers more than the last time I looked and it would have just stolen the fun from it. Now I'm like, whoa, we got 12 people that listen. This is awesome. Yeah. And uh, so it, it changing your expectations, I think, is a big part of it. You know, keeping that momentum going, learning to trust that, you know, when momentum stops, why? 
you know, why is it stopped and, and taking a deep look at that? Is it just because you need to, you need to put some more energy in the system or is there, is there a reason for it? You know, that, and that there's the whole, you know, discussion to have about saying yes and saying no, you know, I try not to say yes to things. I try only to say hell yes and, and hard no, um, you know, that, that, that mindset can, can change a lot of things. Well, I think that's one of the things that like, even right now, uh, you know, so when I first started doing uh, retreats, I was very like the first retreat that I did. I was super inspired and that inspiration was like flowing. And then we had that retreat and it was, you know, awesome. It was like magic was happening. And uh, while I was there, I was like, hell yes, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is clear. It was like the universe just showed me like in a big way. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be doing retreats like this and in many different ways and all kinds of stuff and then uh the second one very inspiring awesome and then for whatever reason planning the next one i've been feeling like a little bit of resistance and it's because uh, i was operating purely on inspiration so now i have that kind of little battle in my head where i'm just like questioning is it time to just keep the momentum going and put the discipline in and now just do it because i know this is what i want to be doing this is the thing that i know i'm like hell yes about mm -hmm. or do you wait for the inspiration to come does it have to be driven by the same inspiration that it was in the beginning um but i also think it's not necessarily realistic to just be inspired at all times sometimes it takes some discipline to show up and to cultivate that inspiration you know to actually do the the work yeah no i agree with that and it's i think we all struggle with that i you know a technique that i've been using a lot around things that i want to do or whatever like the prime example for me is like is physical training Right. Like for when I was years ago, uh, when I was 39, I wasn't was I was still doing tree work full time. Everything was going great, but I wasn't in that great of a physical shape. Like I had enough uh, physical abilities to do my job day in, day out. But I was a little overweight. Um, my daughter was, you know, four or five years old. I'm like, I'm kind of chubbing up a little bit. I'm like, I just, I wanted to be a better person. So I decided by the time I was 40, I wanted to be in the best shape of my life. So I, I embarked on this, um, you know, outside of my time in the military experience, my military, I'd never done any you know, regimented, you know, training program, physical training program or anything like that. And every time I tried to start something, it would fail miserably, you know, to the classic, you know, start in January and by the 15th of January, you're done. Um, anyway, I did, and I did, and, and that started for me, you know, a decade more journey, um, you know, in physical training. And it, as with all things, you have your ebbs and your flows. But for a long time, it was very, very consistent. And then probably, it was right at the. I, I remember when I fell off the wagon hardcore of training was um, right when the pandemic hit. Right, I had a job, so I had an, I had a, I was employed by a company, so I had income coming in. I could work from home. And I'm like, I didn't have to travel. My schedule got pretty normal, you know, for 
you know, I wasn't away from home. I could be really consistent about my training. And I just jumped in head first. I'm like, this is awesome. You know, I got all this time. I got an income. You know, I'm working from home. This is what I always wanted. And I overtrained the shit out of myself. It took about nine months. And it just got to the point where I wasn't motivated to train. I didn't want to work out. I wasn't seeing results. It was just, it was just terrible. And, it, and I basically just stopped, right? Because I'm like... I've, I've forgotten that, you know, it's like I was I was doing physical training so I would feel better during the rest of the day. And that wasn't happening. I just felt like shit all the time. Like, oh, something was always sore. And I thought that was the price to pay. I was falling back to that, you know, the work ethic that was imparted upon me is like, if you're not putting all out effort, you're somehow, you, you just just stop, you're worthless. Right? Might as well and not I, even. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't even try. And I got to the point, I just beat the shit out of myself. And I just stopped training physically doing any you know any type of regimented form i mean i take walks and hikes and stuff but i just didn't do anything for like a year and a half i just couldn't i couldn't get back on the train and then so now it was probably just before the first of this year um i started up but i needed to restructure how i was doing it and the problem for me is the programs i was using when i achieved maximum burnout were very regimented. It was like Monday, do this, Tuesday, do this, you know, or Tuesday's the rest day, whatever. It was very regimented. And the moment I fell off that schedule by just a little bit, I somehow like, I just guilt and shamed myself uh, into feeling bad about it, right? Like, and it just, and it was mental and it was terrible. So I think I burnt myself out mentally as much as I did physically. And, uh, and then of course, you know, being older, like I don't, I can't handle the volume of training that I used to be able to train. I had to prove that to myself graphically and with injury. Um, so anyway, now, long story, uh, get to the, the punchline here, is now when I construct a workout program, I don't worry about dates or I'm going to do this on Monday. I basically construct it. I say for the next 40 workouts, I'm going to do this. Right, this is what I'm going to do. I set a goal of doing at least three workouts or three training sessions. I prefer calm training sessions. I don't like that term workout. I like three training sessions per week, no more than five a week. So I put limits or boundaries around it. Mm -hmm. Um you know, the limit of five is to keep me from, because, you know, some days you're just into it. And it's like, oh, this is awesome. But if you don't take time to recover, you won't. It's a it's a maximum, you know. But to do less than three a week is, it can, sometimes you're just treading water there, right? You're not making any gains that you need. So I set limits around that. I have 40. And then I've learned to scale those training sessions so that I essentially have three levels. I can, I can, I can manipulate, whether it be weight, I can manipulate reps, uh, time under tension, anything. So I have a, a difficult level, a medium level, and a low level. And I, I gauge that by perceived rate of exertion, which is totally subjective, but it's my, my training, so I can do whatever I want with it. And then I give myself the ability to like, okay, today I'm not doing, not feeling as great as I should be, you know, as I, you know, I'm not up for, but I will do something. I don't like to take, I'll have off days, but I won't take days off, right? And, you know, getting that distinction in between and then understanding. And then when I chart all this, which I think allows me to see that that growth, it, the type A part of my personality can see this little graph. And, like, I won't do two, you know, really hard workouts in a row. I'll do one hard workout, and then maybe a medium, then again, just kind of go into flow. But giving myself that room, those, those boundaries within to work... I think is better and this relates back to what you were saying it's like instead of like okay i'm going to make x number of dollars a year okay for the next 20 days to meet this goal i'm going to do this 
right? And I'm going to earn whatever it needs to be, whether it be money or free time or whatever it could be. And then give yourself those boundaries within because it's it's never going to I'm never going to be consistent enough to be like, OK, it's Monday. I got to do this Tuesday. I got to do like I don't like living like that. It's not me. Right. But I do want to have a certain amount of discipline and, you know, regiment so that I get the things done, because some days, you know, you really want an off day, but you really shouldn't have one. So you just have to have the conversation with yourself and do hard things. Right. You know, so. Well, there's also the bat. There's I think because I wouldn't be able to um, have the freedom that I do now if I hadn't put the work in like in my 20s. You know, mm-hmm. I've gone out and cult and created the skill set that I have, learned the skills, gone out and done the work, set myself up in a way to uh, have the freedom that I have now. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, and I guess you could, but where's that stop? Because then I could say, well, I could go out and continue to put the work in now and set myself up so that in the next decade, I've set my, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I set myself up even more. You know, and then and then and then do you keep going? And then it's the next decade, and then it's you know, and I guess that's how people get to retirement. You know, and uh, but yeah, the fit, the the having that schedule and uh, the exercise and the the discipline that comes along. You were doing kettlebells for a while, right? That was, I mean, you were in pretty good shape when we were training together. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long ago that was, but uh, and when I first came out and when we first met. Mm-hmm. You were you were staying pretty disciplined with your when you were on the road. Yeah, I was, and like I said, I was. It just it slowly built up over time. I you know probably from a medical diagnosis standpoint, I probably didn't physically overtrain myself. Although I was incurring injuries at an odd rate, which I just chalked up to getting older, which is probably part of it too. But they would always you know I would I herniated a disc in my back at a training course carrying a log on my shoulder, you know, and then that led to. You know, it's just so the injuries are starting to pile up, um, and that that should have been a warning sign for me. But yeah, I did work. I still work a lot with kettlebells and stuff, and I like a lot of different modalities. I've also kind of learned to like break my physical training into like in the winter time. The weather's not great here in Pennsylvania. It's cold outside. Like I'll go outside and and do this and that, but. I don't mind staying in my basement and just lifting heavy things and putting them down. But, you know, on a wonderful July Saturday, I'm not going to go down into my basement and lift heavy things and put them down. I'm probably going to fill a sandbag up with 30 pounds and go across the street to the park and just throw it around or kick the shit out of it or something. So I tried to match my activity to, you know, weather a little bit um, to do different aspects of things to be more wide ranging because I'm not really training physically or even mentally for anything specific, you know, I do martial arts and I like to stay, you know, if, if anything, I'll probably do a little more endurance or strength training, you know, based on just for martial arts performance than anything, but I'm not, I'm not looking to run half marathons. I'm not looking to enter a weightlifting contest. I just don't want to, I want to, it's not, and I've also come to the realization too, that it's like, it's not that the physical training or eating well is going to make me live longer. It's just going to make me live better while I'm alive. Right? Yeah, well, you want a higher quality of life. Like for, mm. I want to die. I've, how's the saying go? I want to die as young as possible, as old as I can. There you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And uh, so the way that I, like now, 
I just, it's like functional fitness. I don't have a particular goal, but I want my body to show up with whatever I throw at it. If I want to go surfing tomorrow and the following day I'm going rock climbing and then I'm whitewater rafting or I'm doing whatever, I want my body just to show up and perform. So when I go to the gym, I've been focusing a lot more on that of like what are functional movements, you know, and I think kettlebells are great for that, you know, uh, just the dynamic movements and especially for the work that we do, you can overtrain by accident, you know, just dragging stuff to a chipper on one side of your body always and always feeding the chipper from this side and always grabbing here and you can kind of create these imbalances in your body. So kettlebell and doing dynamic movements where you're, you're training in, in a kind of an awkward position and you're, you're loading your body in a way that you would actually load it at work and, and strengthening in that way. Uh, that's what I've spent a lot of time focusing on. I also will get, um, such as just like a sense of relief by going to the gym, like those endorphins that come from just picking things up and moving and, and just getting, getting those endorphins flowing. Like I haven't worked out in almost a week and I'm looking forward to like, after this, I'm going to the gym and I'm going to go hammer it pretty hard. Uh, I feel pretty good from taking a week off. Uh, cause I don't usually do that. Um, and this time it didn't happen, but in the past I've, I've had the experience where after about two or three days of not working out, uh, you kind of get a little depressed cause your body's looking for those endorphins, you know, you're like, okay, why well, I, I want to get those endorphins. I want to get that little, uh, that rush or that little, you know, just sense of accomplishment of like going out and having, having done something, you know, uh, and yeah, it's just, for me, it just goes out and it, it's really important for me to do something hard pretty regularly. You know, I go out and I do hard tasks just to do them. You know, um, like once a week I'm doing a workout that at least I work out probably five days a week, but at least once a week I'm doing something that like, um, would drive me into the ground, you know, and for me just, I don't know, there's something hard and good about that for the psyche. It's the same thing with like the ice baths. I go out once a day and I get into that, you know, barrel of ice and it's just pushing through. It's like the mental fortitude that comes along with that discipline of pushing through and doing something hard just for heart's sakes. Yeah, there's a lot of benefits that come from doing the ice bath, all the, the mental clarity, the physical, the boosting the immune system and lower you know resting heart rate and and different thing and muscle recovery all kinds of stuff but mm -hmm. for me my favorite part is just the mental fortitude of like i didn't want to do this thing and i forced myself to do something that I, my body didn't want to and i used my mind to like force myself to do something against my will and it's the same thing with workouts you know like mm -hmm. go out and do those hard tasks and just push through um it just does something for it. Like, you know, like sense of accomplishment, you feel better. Anxiety is less and less depressed. I've, you know, I've got a smile on my face. And then when other tasks come up, other things come up, it's not that big of a deal. I know what I'm capable of and that I can do hard things. And when hard things come up that I, that are against my will, I can kind of move through them a little bit easier. It makes life just that much easier. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. There's a, you know, I forget, I think it was a former, 
Navy SEAL commander gave a commencement speech somewhere, watched it on YouTube, but he basically, his premise was make your bed every morning. And the main reason you make your bed every morning is if you get up every morning and you make your bed, no matter what happens through the course of the day, you've at least accomplished making your bed. Right. So sometimes you can, I, I don't make my bed, refuse to do it. But sometimes things like that, like those small things, like even, that's why I've, it's along those lines I've gone away from. I don't take a day off. I have an off day. I'm going to still do something to progress towards my goals. Right. right. Whether it be physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, I'm still going to do something that's going to help me to where I want to be. Um, you know, if, it, if physically I'm not capable, I don't feel like I'm capable of doing a, a physical workout or a hard physical training, maybe I'll stretch or maybe I'll spend some time meditating, right? Or, or something, you know, but to, to have something there. And then at least you've accomplished something, you mm-hmm. know, during the course, no matter what happens in the course of the day. And the harder that thing is, the more it can go wrong during the day, the more sense of accomplishment that you'll, that you'll think. And, you know, when I think back on my tree climbing career, you know, when I was working through my 20s and 30s climbing full time, I, I don't honestly think uh, the average tree worker that is working full-time production, climbing, regular basis, dragon brush, doing all the things that we did for a long time. I don't really think you need to do extra physical training on top of that. Um, maybe if you have some imbalances or something, or if you just sheer enjoy it, you know, that's fine. Um, I think that, you know, I wish when I was getting that amount of physical activity on a daily basis, I'd have paid more attention to my hydration, to my eating and things like that. I think it could have alleviated some of the problems I had a little later in life physically. Some of the, because while I mercifully avoided major injury during the production part of my agricultural career, I now know that I'm in my fifties, like what it's, I now know what high mileage means, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like, Jesus, I couldn't do that anymore. It's just like, I'm an old pair, of, like an old tire. Just the treads worn down. It doesn't, it still, it still works, but it just doesn't grab quite as quick. And right. And you got to do different things, but no, it's, it's interesting to, to look well, at to, that and see it. I used to go when I was, I mean, when I was production climbing and just all day long, I think a lot of it was just youth and high, higher levels of testosterone and whatever. But man, I would freaking climb all day. And then I wasn't, that's when I was doing CrossFit and then I'm doing mm. CrossFit afterwards and I would just hammer it like the there'd be days it's 100 degrees outside and you're going hard but i also would get a sense of like guilt like you start to get addicted to that right like if you don't go oh no tree work's not enough because there is it is the human body is amazing the things that we can get used to like i went and worked with uh, a friend of mine a few months ago may actually probably six six months ago or might even been a year whatever but so one of my best friends is a farrier and he is just super passionate about what he does and that, you know, and he's really good at it and he does high end work and he's always telling me about it. And I, I love when people love what they do, you know, and I love to see people work in their craft doing what they really enjoy. And, uh, so he had invited me a bunch of times. He's like, Oh, if you ever want to come and see what I do, you can do a ride along and just hang out for the day. And I'm like, Oh, it'd be great. So I went, We've over met him for the day and we you know i went out with him and uh we went to this farm and he uh you know he's working on these horses and he picks up the foot and he just rips off the shoes like it's nothing and this and that and then you know i'm watching him for a bit and then he asked me do you want to oh you want to try and take off one of these shoes and i'm like yeah sure so he shows me how to like 
lifts the, ho- the horse's leg up and I like pinch it between my legs and then he gives mm-hmm. me the tool, you know, and I'm, I'm pulling out the nails and I'm sitting there and you got to squeeze. So you're like kind of in like chair position from yoga where you're kind of in like a, a quarter squat and you're mm-hmm. like pinching your legs together, holding this horse's like foot up. So with just your legs and then you're using the, the this tool to pull the, the shoe and the nails out and I'm going and I got one nail left and my whole body is shaking and I'm like, I am not dropping <laughs> this horse's foot and I am going to get this shoe off like right now and I'm just trying and I can't like my whole body is shaking and I don't know how long, I'll say on the high end, maybe I was, maybe it was between two and three minutes it, realistically it might have been 90 seconds that i was mm-hmm. holding this 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 shoe up and uh i was worked after that and i work out hard but i drive myself into the ground i'm constantly like pursuing physical achievements and mm-hmm. uh the rest of the day i felt spent and i was sore from that for like a couple days like my abductors and everything for just like but it got <laughs> and i was looking at him like how do you do that all day long and it's just not a big deal for him he also when he walks you see him stand up and he stands up slow and he kind of walks leaned forward a little bit and like kind of has a little his gait is a little bit different because you could tell that he's just hunched over all the time it made a lot more sense to me of why he walks that way afterwards i'm like oh yeah but then i said to him too you know i'm like dude if you were to come with me and i brought you up one tree you would be a disaster like Mm -hmm. he would be sore and he'd be huffing and puffing and i could do that all day long no problem i can go up and Mm -hmm. down move around and climb and you know, I'd be running circles around him and he probably would do one tree and be sore for days. So it's pretty amazing what the human body, like what we could train it to be accustomed to and what kind Mm -hmm. of, uh, movements and how quick it, you know, it could get accustomed to these different things. And Mm -hmm. you just change one thing up like 90 seconds of me doing all out work like that. And I was, you know, messed up. It did get my head thinking, Afterwards, I'm like, man, maybe I should go to the gym and I'll take a wall ball and I'll pinch it between my legs and I'll go into a squat and I'll hold that wall ball there <laughs> or something. Right. If I could get that sore in 90 seconds on a regular basis, man, that'd be mm-hmm. awesome. I could take a million dollars on that. Right. The, yeah, the abductor exercise. Yeah. Like I said, I wonder, you know, I think that if I were to, de- if I were still working full time tree production and I were to design a work workout program, it would look very different than what I do now. There would probably be some probably do strength aspects in the winter when it slows up a little bit just to build up a little bit of strength and then probably most of the year would be spent on endurance muscle endurance and uh and i would definitely focus more on my my nutrition and hydration um and i think i would learn the i would i would specify and learn the techniques that i would the physical motions of you know pulling myself up or things like that better um, because I think while I think I avoided major injury, like I said earlier, but I think it was a lot of luck. I think I'm lucky. I don't have a lot of shoulder problems. I think I'm lucky. I don't have a lot of, um, you know, elbow issues or knee issues and stuff. So I think that I would have, you know, trained to not necessarily to make those movements stronger, but to make them more efficient, I think would have been how I would have 
gone about it when I was doing full time because there's no way. And I'm with you. I probably, you know, 20s and 30s, I probably could have carried a heavier volume load of physical work all day and go. But I think it would have I'm not sure it would have benefited me that much, you know, to see how that goes. Kettlebell works out well. I didn't I ever tell you a story about how I improved my throw line with kettlebell. Never tell you that story. No. So I herniated my disc, as I mentioned earlier, on a training course, I was carrying a log on my shoulder with three other guys. And they decided, the two, they were behind me, I was in front, and they decided to put the log down kind of without telling me. So I basically did the bend and twist with a log on my shoulder. And it herniated the disc. I was able to get physical therapy and, and get it taken care of without a big issue. Like I didn't have to have surgery or anything. So after a couple of weeks, physical therapy and I'm doing, you know, all the exercises and everything, but I hadn't really been able to train at the volume or anything like I wanted to, cause my back was just sore. It just hurt. Like it cramps down my leg. But anyway, I eventually get to the point where I'm healed up and I'm like, I could, my lower back was sore and I knew because my abs were weak. I could just feel them. like they just weren't where they, cause I wasn't able to do a lot of work. So I decided that I was going to use kettlebell swings to build up my abs and everything. Kettlebell swings, awesome exercise. So I launch onto this program, Dan John, one of my favorite fitness authors in the world. Um, look up all his books. They're all excellent. Um, he has this 10,000 swing challenge where essentially for 20 workouts, you do 500 swings a workout and you build it up in a progression. And then there's some exercises in between. And so for 20, so essentially a month, month and a half, you're going to do 10,000 swings. And I'm like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. So I do it. Oh, it's brutal. I mean, it's it's the type of like physical training you can do once a year, you know, twice a year, maybe if you're really into it. If you try that stuff three times a year, you're just you're going to hurt. I mean, it's brutal. So I started with a 16 kg kettlebell, moved up to a 24 kg kettlebell. I think my final workout, if I remember, I'm doing 500 swings, was taking me like 23 minutes. I mean, it was intense, right? Yeah. So anyway, this gets all done. My back feels better. My abs are strong. And then one day I'm out and I think I'm just setting a line in this big dead oak tree, right? And when I throw a throw line, I cradle it between my legs. So I got it in each hands and I toss that thing and it just flies. And I stop and I look at it. It's like, it's the exact motion I use for a kettlebell swing, which I've just spent 10,000 repetitions perfecting in the last 20 physical training sessions. I can throw 20 feet higher than I ever could before. And I don't think it necessarily has so much to do with strength, although I certainly probably gained some strength. I think it has more to do with coordination and efficiency of the motion, right? And it was just so, it was just, it was a crazy thing. So if you want to, it, it depends. I guess it would work if you threw throw back from the side but if you double it up and then throw it between your legs with two hands at one time kettlebell swing will improve the height that you can toss a throwback yeah see, i think only i would have to do the the single arm kettlebell swings right i got the i'm doing the side shot and right. anytime i try to do it between my legs just because i've done thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of times from the side mm -hmm. i actually find that not Doing it as regular, I'm going to knock on wood mm -hmm. right now just because I'm about to say something that's going to mess me up. But um, when I was out working every day, I was having, I feel like I was less accurate mm -hmm. with my throw ball. And now when I go out and if I throw a throw ball six times a month, it's probably a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, I've, in the last few months, I've had to throw a throw ball more than twice to get something mm -hmm. like only a couple times yeah. everything else i've just been like on point mm -hmm. just i totally agree that i've seen that i've seen that in throw bag 
I've seen it in like uh, playing guitar, right? Like if I'm working on something and working on something and I'm struggling with it, I usually I'll stop doing that for a couple of days. And then when you come back to it, it's like, oh, what was I struggling about? Not that I'm good by any means. It's just less it's just easier to do right right so sometimes i think that's and i I think it goes back to that recovery thing um whether it be mental or physical if you don't take time to recover you won't you know and i think you know and especially like a mental skill because you have the physical capabilities to hit every target on the first throw every time it's not a physical limitation right Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not even necessarily a mental limitation it's more coordinating of all things through and then but I just blame it all on the wind and the sun was in my eyes. And, right. But I do, I can totally concur with what you're saying. When I do throw a throw bag now, I am generally speaking more accurate than I ever was when I was doing it on an, like 10 times a day. You know, well, it also has a lot to do. If I'm frustrated, I'm not hitting anything. Oh, yeah. If I'm not present, I always, every time I think about when I'm throwing, it always reminds me of archery. Mm-hmm. It's like, the archer that shoots for the gold misses every time, you know, and it's like when you're just present, you have, it's the same as a golf swing. Mm-hmm. You have to be like totally focused just in that moment, just in that and just feel the flow. And when I'm in that place and I can clear my mind and I just take that shot and just send it up there and, you know, as long as there's not a knot in the bag or something like that, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a very similar experience to like taking that archery shot and mm-hmm. you know, just kind of being present in, in that flow and in that state of just allowing it to go. Yeah. So I think the other thing that's helped me along all these things with like goals and boundaries, whether it be physical training or even work or whatever, is like and it's another quote from Dan John from quote from one of his coaches that little and often over the long haul. Right. There's very few things in life that won't. You know, that if you little and often over the long haul, you'll eventually meet success. And for me, like my theory was if I didn't go out and physically batter myself during my physical training sessions, I somehow wasn't ever going to make progress. But when I look back at, you know, the records that I keep and the journals that I have, although they're kind of scant, not always as detailed as as they could be, um, I find that when I just did little and often for a long time, consistency was way always trumps intensity whether it be physical training mental agility or anything right like consistency will always trump uh intensity so now when i lay these programs out like in this example my physical training i try and lay them out so i can be as consistent as possible so for me instead of saying i'm gonna you know from january 1st to march 31st i'm gonna do x y and z i'm like no for the next 40 workouts this is what i'm gonna this is the plan i'm gonna follow right if that takes me six months maybe i need to you know if it takes me two months maybe i need to reevaluate but usually for me 40 40 training sessions is roughly three three and a half months ish you know right. somewhere in there i also find that um more, longer than that a pro- doing the same program longer and that is just absolutely impossible for me because I get bored. I need variety. I need to, right. you know, I, I could never, you know, I'm just going to go down and do a bench press, a deadlift and an overhead press and 10 push-ups, And that's it for the next six months. I would go insane. It just, yeah. I, I just, I'm like, well, this isn't fun. I don't want to do this. And then, you know, my squirrel brain will be like, Oh, that looks cool. Oh, that looks cool. And now I, I lose the consistency. Right. So telling myself that, like, even this morning before we started talking, we got on the 
line here. I was editing through the final chapter of the audiobook. I'm like, all right, it's going to take me a while. And I've been kind of dreading it. You know, it's like, because it's a, it's a process. It's tedious. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to do a little, I'm going to do 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I'm going to get it done little and often over the long haul. I don't have to get it all done this morning or before Tim and I talk. I'm going to get a chunk of it done. Then I'm going to come back to it and I'm going to come back to it. And you know, instead of trying to discipline myself into, oh, I'm going to sit down and do this. I'm going to discipline myself into, I'm going to keep working at it until it's done. Little and often over the long haul. Well, they say the hardest part about going to the gym is going to the gym. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's just getting there. Mm-hmm. Once you walk in the door, mm-hmm. it's like if you just continue, even if you're really not every single time getting there and putting 110% effort in and just driving yourself into the ground. If you're just showing up on a regular basis and staying moving, it's the mm-hmm. same thing with like any task, yeah. learning a language or, you know, meditation or, you know, it's the same thing. Like for me, one of the things that I'll do is uh, take regular like nightly inventories. Like, so before I go to sleep, I'll like, I'll run through my day. You know, like I kind of just take an inventory, just take a look, take stock of my day, you know, like how did, what did I do today? You know, and there's just like some basic questions that I'll have in there of like, you know, uh, was I selfish? Was I dishonest today? Was I self-seeking? Like, were my thoughts like more on focused on how I could be useful to others? Or was I thinking more about like, what can I get out of the day? Or was I resentful today? Or do I owe an apology? Uh, do I need, do I have a secret that I got to talk to somebody else about? Like, am I holding something in, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when I take and I'll write it out, like I have a note in my phone and I'll just open it up and I'll just jot down, you know, but sometimes I'll get overwhelmed or I won't do it. And I'll be like, I haven't done it consistently in a while. And, uh, you know, that I won't do it at all. And then it's like, um, what it, just doing that on a regular basis, even if I'm not like answering every one of those questions to the best of my ability, um, you know, I'm still in a much better place mm-hmm. than like not doing it. Yeah, like I said, and giving yourself that room and that that grace, you know, to, to like, all right, you know, I didn't get to it today. It's all right. Yeah, all kinds of fun things. How you trick yourself into stuff? I guess not even trick yourself. Just learn to deal with your limitations. You know, like, yeah, well, just keeping that momentum of like having regular root, like just having a routine of things that we do that are bringing us closer to like our end destination of like, or are just moving us closer in the direction of who we want to be, mm-hmm. you know, like, how do I want to show up in the world? Who do I want to be? Uh, and, um, so just doing something, it could just be something little every day, like taking a little right now, a little daily you know, taking stock of my day or just showing up to the gym on a consistent basis. And, you know, even if I'm not showing up and doing a hundred percent, but it's like, I'm still showing up, mm-hmm. you know, little and often. Yep. And I see, you know, as and it, for me, it's always the ebb and flow. I think, you know, we've had discussion before. I don't believe in life balance. I believe in life rhythm, right? To say mm-hmm. something's balanced is to mean, you know, if I'm going to spend, it, it doesn't right. Like, you know, if I have 10 bad days to balance it out, I should have 10 good days. Like, that's a shitty way to, you know, yeah. um, so I prefer more rhythm. So like I said, you know, this through January, February, March of this year so far, like I said, you know, my travel's been way down. I have things to do, you know, but I, 
I've decided, you know, this year I'm I'm not doing production tree work, not on the pace I was doing, um, you know, through necessity, one, to earn a paycheck. Um, you know, you have to, money is an energy exchange, but it's also grease that keeps the wheels of life turning, unfortunately. I'd be happy if I never had another, you know, denomination of any type in my hand again, but it's just not possible in this world, at least, at least not for the lifestyle I want to live you know, and the things I'm, I'd be happy living in the middle of the woods somewhere, but it's just not realistic at this point. Um, but I'm not doing production tree work anymore. I just didn't, you know, it's, it was one of those things I'm like, I would go and do it because the family company needed help. I needed a paycheck, but it's like, that's a downward spiral when you're doing a job like that. You just don't want to be there. As you know, you got to the same point. You're like, this is great, but I don't want to do it. (laughs) And it's like, you know, so anyway, that stepped down. So it's like, you know, so I'm not, probably not earning as much of a paycheck over the last three months, but I am giving myself time to do more creative projects, to invest in other aspects of things and to be real consistent about my physical training. Right. You know, that's the rhythm I'm on now um, is to take the time and the energy to focus on those things so I can set processes in place, um, you know, that'll help me achieve, achieve goals later, or just like I said, be the person I want to show up in the world. I don't want to be that person that is, you know, has health issues, you know, later in life, or even, even now I use my physical training to manage blood pressure and things like that. Cause I'm just not a big, I'm going to take a pill and fix it kind of guy. I'd rather, mm. if I can fix it through behavior and lifestyle changes and diet changes and things that I can control, I totally will. You know, if it ever gets to the point medically where I can't do that anymore, well then I'll make those decisions then. But until I've done everything I can to control it with my behaviors and the things that I can control, I'm not even going to consider, you know, outside intervention. Are you so you're this this coming year, you're planning on not doing any production tree work? Very, very little. You know, I was pretty much doing a pretty consistent four to five days or more a month, um, scheduling it out ahead of time. Uh, So, yeah, I'm just getting away from from doing it's not saying that I won't do any. I mean, because yeah. in, in Aberlea, I'd be like, oh, I feel like climbing a tree today, you know, um, it always comes back around. But not it's not going to be the majority of my income, let's say it's actually right. probably less. I'm aiming for well less than 10 percent, you know, nice. if you had to if I had to put a number to it. Right. Yeah. You know, so just just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really? <laughs> it's like, this is lost. I've noticed since, since I've. And this is just my own mental, it's just the way that my mind works is not having to do it. Like when I don't have to do it. Mm. And now that I'm going out and doing what I want to, when, like the jobs that I want to do, the fun, the fun jobs or, you know, uh, and there's also something fun that when it's like a uh, financially rewarding job, Mm-hmm. makes it a little bit more fun and oh, yeah. it's definitely a little bit more enjoyable when you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm actually doing really well today. This is going to, you know, uh, but I have, I've found that I've been enjoying it quite a bit more than when I had employees and I had to be there and I was like running crews and making sure these guys are doing this and, you know, uh, and then also, yeah, just it's, I've got a smile on my face a lot more when I'm out on the job now than I did when I felt obligated to be there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I saw that, too, and I stopped doing production full-time. Like I said, it took probably, I would, you know, in retrospect, honestly, probably about a year until I got over myself that, you know, I wasn't working hard enough because I wasn't coming home and falling asleep into mashed potatoes anymore. Yeah. Um, where I, but then when I did go back and did production, you know, 
multiple days in a row, a week or so in a row. It was just fun again. You know, I enjoyed it. But then part of it was knowing that, you know, after this week was over, I was moving. I was, I, you know, it wasn't like this was the end of it. You know, I can remember doing the work full time, just like you're in the tunnel and you can't see light at the end of it. And it's like, oh, God, I know I don't want to do this forever. And I'm not sure how much longer I can do it. And there was no answer. Now, when I go do production work, like if you call up like, hey, Tony, I got this great job. Like, totally, I'm up there. We're, I know that after two days, we're done. You know, it's like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, there's the light at the end of the. T- In fact, I'm not going to agree to any tree work job until there's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> you know, like if you're Tony, can you just come up and like hang out and work for a while? I'd be like, no, Tim, no. But I can't come up and work for five days, you know. Or, yeah, or, yeah, I got that. You know, my uh, I did a job last year after we split the company up. I had this job and it was, you know, uh, kind of a home run job, but I had been pushing it off for six months because it was just taking down a bunch of big gnarly spruce trees and a couple pine trees and it was all going to be crane work and stuff. And I kept watching the schedule. I mean, watching the weather and I'm like, all right, it's going to be, I want it, to, I want it to be 90 degrees and be cutting down these sap filled mm-hmm. trees. <laughs> so I looked and it said, oh, it's going to be 70 something degrees this on Tuesday and you know, whatever. So I hit Matt up and I'm like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And I just need two guys and a truck and chipper and the mini and the cranes come and I scheduled the crane. And then like the day before it's like, oh, tomorrow's going to be 93 degrees full <laughs> sun and oh, humidity. And I already got the crane scheduled and I'm like, what the hell? So I went in, but I hadn't worked. I hadn't been on a job in 45 days, you know, a month and a half ish mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> I went out and I did this job and the guy showed up and I was a ball of energy because I had not worked in 45 days. So I'm running around and man, I hammered this job with the crane. I'm like cutting these trees in half and like I cut, did a, just got a lot of stuff done because it was going to be a very profitable day if I could get it done in one day mm-hmm. and not super profitable if it was two days so i just went after it and uh the guys were pissed because i like <laughs> forgot, i forgot that these guys like hmm. they weren't excited it's not like we they hadn't worked in a month and a half like they got work <laughs> they worked yesterday and they got work tomorrow right and uh i mean whatever but in my mind too i also had the mindset of like well some days are just gonna suck you mm. know because like it was freaking it was physical it was a hard day but I felt bad afterwards. I, you know, I ended up giving them tips and giving them some extra cash and right. stuff and whatever. But they called out for the next two days because they were like, <laughs> they said it was the hardest day of their life that they've never worked hard right. that hard in their whole life. Right. And Matt called me afterwards and was like, "Dude, you cannot do that to them. Like, you can't be too." And it was only a, it was only a nine-hour day, you know, <laughs> only like, nine hours. Yeah, I mean, it, but it's not like I worked them for 12 hours right. or something. But, I mean, I get it. It was hot, and they were just – the chipper was going the whole time, right. you know. And uh, they were getting a bit buried. But I just – I was a ball of energy. I'm like, man, this is great, guys, right? They're like, no, this, is this not sucks. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I have to watch myself sometimes when I get out on a job site, too. I have to kind of limit my expectations. I have to not, comp- like, try and impress – make others try and be me. You know, right. like not expect them to be me, you know, because like I said, I haven't I haven't climbed a tree in probably three months, you know, maybe yeah. three and a half months. So next time I got and climb one, because it's great. I'm flying around and I'm like <laughs> looking at the guy. I'm probably training, being like, what's your problem? Hurry up, buddy. Come on, let's go. It's like, 
Uh, you know, he's yeah, exactly. He it's probably a Thursday. Um, he's worked all week, you know, um, and he's got to work Friday, and then he, and Monday he's going to be back at it. I'm going to be sitting at my desk, do it, you know, like, oh man, I'm sore. Oh, that's tough. That's all right. I'll just sit at my desk today. So yeah, you yeah. do have to kind of understand. I you know, I'm the total fair weather arborist at this point. I'm I'm unabashedly I have no guilt about it whatsoever. I like to think I've earned it. You know, it's yeah. not like I wasn't out there in the nor'easter working in heavy, wet snow, cleaning up somebody's front yard and all those things. Yeah. So, but now I, I don't. Pulling a tree off a house. <clears throat> That's why Matt and I, our company name was uh, our rental company when we, that owned all our equipment was Fairweather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We were standing out on a job. We were making jokes about how we just wanted to be fair weather arborists. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we needed to come up with a company name for the company that was going to own all of our equipment. And he's like, you got any ideas? I'm like, I think fair weather equipment. There you go. It's perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Perfect. It's just want to work when it's nice out. That's awesome. Well, yeah. So what's... Have we I'm sorry, go ahead. Have we talked since I got back from uh, the bike trip? No, huh? Yeah, so uh, that was a pretty awesome experience going down. A friend of mine came uh, who's never been out of the country before. He's, I think, he's sixty-two or sixty-one, and uh, we're good buddies. He, you know, he's a, a master fabricator and really awesome, uh, just metal worker and. You know, he sees me go on these trips all the time, and he said, "Man, I'd love to go on one of these trips with you." And you know, would you be willing to put something together? And he's into motorcycles, and I'm like, "Yeah, sure, man. I'll, I'll put a trip together." So, put together a trip uh, down to Ecuador, and there's a company down there, Freedom Bike Rentals, and you book. Uh, so you just book with them, and they have these. They'll build you your own custom one if you want, or they've got you know, 20 different options you could pick from, from different roads that they've explored and you book with them and then they book your hotels along the way and they give you the motorcycle and you get a GPS and it has your pre-planned route and you could pick uh, day one, dirt, more dirt, paved, whatever you want. You know, they've got all these different options and they've spent the last 15 years exploring the country and just finding like back country, middle of nowhere, like awesome twisty roads through the mountains and to some really remote places and into villages and just meeting people and, you know, all this different cool stuff. And, uh, yeah, so we, we went down there and it was really cool. My favorite part after I've been to, you know, 35 or 40 countries or something. So to bring somebody to another country and have show them that experience and just have them uh, to watch him like, you know, his eyes light up and we're out in the mountains and he's looking around and we're in the middle of nowhere and there's a house out there off in the mountain and, you know, we're in the cacao fields and he's like, people live out here, like just to see like the totally different, you know, um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty awesome experience. We went, uh, did eight days like 900 miles 50 percent of it was dirt and they were like some rough dirt you know we had like enduro bikes with the knobby tires and you know ripping through the mountains and we you know drove over floating bridges and had to take little tuk-tuk ferries through swamps and you know uh some cool food and just all the people were super friendly and saw volcanoes and went hot springs and you know cloud forests and you know, had 
hummingbirds, all the hummingbirds migrate down there. So mm-hmm. uh, had hummingbirds flying in and landing on our hands. And yeah, it was, it was a pretty awesome experience for sure. That's cool. That does sound awesome. That does sound awesome. It sounds similar. It was similar company when I was like 2012, maybe. I don't remember. It was in flew to Australia for a tree climbing comp and then I flew up from Sydney to Brisbane and rented a bike from a company called Bike Around Oz who they're still in business because I'm on their emailing list and they did the same thing like they'd plan out the routes for you rent you the, they'd rent you everything from a helmet to leathers to yeah. it was an awesome it's just motorcycle such an awesome way to see the world in general um, yeah. especially you know because like I I forget how many kilometers I did. I probably spent more on beer than gas um, because beer is expensive in Australia. <laughs> um, yeah. And the, it was, I was running, it was a BMW, um, pretty much half of my motorcycle. So it was like a 650 FS, I believe. Um, yeah. I wasn't doing a lot of off-road. I'd get on the occasional gravel road, but that was, it was a well-maintained gravel road. But I got chased down the road by pigs and different things. And it was it was, it was a great way to see to see a country because it's easy to stop and turn around if you've missed something. Yep. Um, plus you're just so much more in touch with the environment when you're on a motorcycle as opposed to, um, you know, in a other vehicle, like a car or something. And, and you can get further and see more than you can walking or riding a bicycle, you know? Mm-hmm. And I did. Or if you're on a tour bus or something, you're looking around out the mm-hmm. window and everybody else and you got to kind of come and go. You're, you're a lot more, reliance or part of other someone else's schedule mm-hmm. you know oh yeah oh, definitely yeah whatever the group is doing so when you're on a motorcycle the freedom that comes along with that anytime i've traveled pretty much every country i go to i get a motorcycle because now i don't have to get taxis i don't have to figure out rides if there's something that i want to go do i just go do it and just even just when you're staying in a city for go from the coffee shop yep you want to go check out this thing over here <coughs> The freedom that comes with that um, and just being immersed in the scenery like you're a part of the like of the road and mm-hmm. the scenery when you're looking around not having a car around you and just there's you know so many things I love about it when I travel that way right. plus I'm not the not an extrovert by any means I'm a total introvert but you do because I've found that I've met really interesting people because I'm on a motorcycle, right? Because right. you'll be sitting at a gas station or a rest stop or whatever, and people will come up because they're because they want to do it too, right? But for whatever reason, either they can't or they haven't built up the courage or whatever reason, but they want to talk to you, right? So they'll come up and then I think they kind of admire a little bit of what you're doing and you meet some of the most interesting people um, that way. And it, you find great, and those are the people that ask, yeah, I'm going to be heading this direction. Where can I stay for the night? And you just find the coolest the coolest things and yet yeah. you can park a motorcycle pretty much anywhere i've parked it in hotel rooms um yep. because i was in that part of town with weather blowing through it's like if i leave this thing on the curb it's not going to be here in the morning so open up the door and roll her right into the motel um yep those kind the of other things thing too is i've been into some countries like say uh like in colombia and medellin or something where there's really safe spots in the city. The majority of the city is very safe, but then the outskirts of the city, there's some really rough spots that, you know, even the locals are staying away from. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, they're not, they're not that great. But on a motorcycle, I put my helmet on and I go ride around and there's so many other people riding around on motorcycles that I'll just go and I'll just pick 
like I'll be like, I'll look across the city because Medellin is in the mountains, you know, it's, uh, and it's kind of in this valley and you can just look and I'll just say, you know, try to figure out how to get to the top of that mountain over there and I'll drive and I'll hit all these neighborhoods and stuff. And nobody looks at, nobody knows that I'm an American riding through their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully the motorcycle doesn't break down or something. I guess that kind of comes <laughs> part of the risk, mm-hmm. you know, but going out and you could kind of just get into some of the spots that tourists or other Americans or who travelers are never going. Mm-hmm. You get on that bike and nobody has any idea who you are. You know, they don't just look at you and think, yeah, maybe uh, I might be a little bit bigger than the average local over there, but they still like heads aren't turning, you know, the same way as if I was walking around there or Mm -hmm. even if they saw me in the back of a taxi or something, then I would look quite a bit more out of place than just (laughs) ripping around with the other 200 motorcycles that are on this road and flying around too, you know? Mm -hmm. No, that's a great point. I never thought about it that way, but it. It does make a lot of sense. I think one of the things I really like about a motorcycle trip, too, is you can only take so much with you. So you have a, a, a self-imposed limitation on just because of the vehicle. Um, yep. So, you know, so I'm not taking expensive stuff with me. Um, you know, yeah. like there's there, I don't take anything with me that I'm not willing to lose. Just not even necessarily from crime, just weather. You know, like how many times have I gotten stuck in a terrible, terrible rainstorm and every single thing, myself included, every square inch is just soaking wet, no matter what you do. And it's like, yep. I'm not taking a good book with me, right? Like, you know, just I'll pick yep. up a paperback along the way somewhere and, you know, buy a new T-shirt at the gas station down the road, you know, and stuff. Like, right. it's just, just it's I like that, that almost minimalist approach to travel that a motorcycle, you have to do it or you'll just, you'll go crazy. Um, yeah, it's definitely taught me how to pack light. Yeah. I've spent, I did a trip one time down into Patagonia and it was 1800 miles for two weeks in two weeks, 50% dirt. And we started in Orsorno, Chile and went all the way down to Punta Arenas, which is just, just before Tierra del Fuego, which is like the little islands. It's like the, the southernmost tip of South America, mm-hmm. like as far as you could ride before you need to get on a ferry to go to the little, last little island. And, uh, it, we ended up doing it was I was uh, a girl and I that I was dating at the time and I were so it was doubling up on a bike so two of us got on a bike and rode like that oh, for eighteen hundred miles so we had to fly and the bike wasn't getting shipped back to, like we weren't it wasn't a circle hmm. so the bike was getting shipped from our last spot back so hmm. we needed to fly down with everything be able to fit two people and two people's gear on the one motorcycle ride at 1800 miles and then ship that bike back and we were never going back to the original starting point so wow. it was like rain gear cold warm weather gear cold weather gear you know mm-hmm. snacks and whatever and you learn how to consolidate you know pretty well and one of the, like one tip that i always give to people when they're traveling is uh because people you know i've traveled all over the place with just a backpack and uh is anywhere you go in this world there's going to be a store. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you forget a t-shirt, you forget a uh, sunblock or you run out of toothpaste or you need some more underwear or socks or something, you can go buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's probably going to be cheaper than back home. So no reason to like overpack and, you know, right. Yeah. My first trip I ever went, uh, 
I went with this big old duffel bag and after about a week and I was going to be doing all these different countries and everything. And after about a week, I'm like, oh, man, this was a mistake. <laughs> right. you know, I like shipped it back because I all I needed was a backpack. I didn't need any of this crap that was, you know. Yeah, there is a certain freedom to it that I've enjoyed. I think that's why I always kind of like backpacking, you know, that one that, you know, you have that restriction of, you, well, you can take whatever you want, but you got to carry it. And then very similar to backpacking too, motorcycle trekking like that. You're so dependent on the weather that you're very much in touch with nature. And, you know, even if it's even sometimes it's not even a matter of discomfort. Sometimes you just physically can't ride because of the weather. Right. It's either unsafe or the roads aren't passable. You know, there's there's a lot of so just it's entirely different than being in an enclosed vehicle like when you, you have to, you know, how many times have I sat in cheap motel rooms looking out the window? you know, waiting for the rain to stop. But those are some of the fun, most fun parts of the trip, you know, sometimes, yeah. especially if you're with somebody or, you know, spending time. And it's just, just been, been a lot of fun doing that. And I always love that aspect of it, having to like mother nature's dictating part of your travel schedule as well. You're not imposing your will upon the earth. The earth is kind of imposing its will upon you. Yeah. We should do, uh, I know we had talked about it before and it, it didn't end up happening, but we should do, plan something this spring or yeah. summer or something do a little backpacking yeah definitely we should i gotta i've been waiting to waiting for winter to go away although it hasn't been much of a winter down here um and get into it but yeah i'd love to do a long weekend or something and and get back yeah. out and do that because i do enjoy that probably one of my favorite physical outside activities is you know just put a backpack on and, and, and head yeah. off down the road and or down the trail and, and see cool things and take naps yeah. in the middle of the day and, and so.